This is Vomiting Rainbows, episode number 61, a darker news podcast with my co-host, Blag the Ripper, where I tell him stories that he knows nothing about. Then he violates them and spits them back at me in a beautiful rainbow. You know, knowing nothing is one of my, one of my greatest attributes, Doug. It, it's excellent. Now, I don't, I don't know. Unfortunately, you weren't on the podcast last week, and we had uh, Mike, the alumni. I don't know if you got to hear any of that. Oh, man, that sucks. I was in L.A. last week. I was, I'm working on a new record, which is actually going to be hilarious. Well, that's Basically always a like, good thing. Oh, man. Yeah, it's like a comedy record, but it's like country and rock and roll, and it's just great. Something, something different. It's That's nothing good. like the Dwarves records. Yeah, so I'm really happy about it. But yeah, I was kind of out of the uh, out of the pull. You had Mike back. All right. I, I had Mike. Uh, we had a little bit of a challenge because uh, Mike has uh, his two little ones who are playing, not little anymore, but he, they were playing games, I think, and using up all of his bandwidth. So he had to call back <laughs> so that we could record it. It actually worked a lot better on the phone. But um well, you know, many's the time we talked about, you know, I don't know anything about modern parenting, but Mike does, you know, and we've, we've had many a conversation about like, I, I noticed with parents now, it's kind of like, who's running the show exactly? Right. Because <laughs> you know? like, when I was a kid, like, you know, man, my, and my parents weren't hard asses particularly, but it was like, you kind of knew who was running the show. Oh, without a doubt. There wasn't much question about like, what we're going to do, you know, how we're going to appease little Polly, you know, nobody gave a shit, you know, right. It was like, Hey, you know, I guess parenting now is a little more, you got to really pay a lot of attention, figure it yeah. out. You know? Yeah. And he was like, he would, he said that if he told them to stop using their gaming consoles, he said he would have anarchy. So <laughs> I, I get that. That's totally reasonable. <laughs> um, so the first story we're going to do is an update based off of last week's one of last week's story. Um, okay. And that story was, um, sorry, not a problem. So it, it was a story based on, on basically rando nodding, which is uh, it's where this one app kind of gives you a location, a random location nearby based on certain criteria. And then you go explore it just for fun. It's basically a way to get you outdoors. Okay. Um, and a few kids did this on TikTok, and it gave them a location to explore. And the location that they were exploring was on the Seattle waterfront uh, near this uh, park. You, you might actually know the area. Um, but on the waterfront, they uh, ended up um, finding a suitcase, and they decided to open the suitcase and that's when they were confronted with a horrifying smell. And then they were cute because they were like teenagers and they're like, oh, it's probably just a bunch of like bad food. But it turned out not to be bad food. It turned out to be a dead body. Oh, man. <laughs> um, and so they obviously did the responsible thing and they called the police. Uh, it turns out the two cases, uh, the two people that were found in the suitcases were identified as a couple named Jessica Lewis, who, who was 35 years old, and Austin Werner, who was 27 years old. Austin went by the street name Cash, um, but that's more of an ironic name because he was described by friends as broke as fuck. Like, never had <laughs> any money. Um, they were both homeless at the time, um and they were likely you know this probably led to their demise um there was nothing well, you know, about you've heard about people living out of a suitcase in yes case, it seems to be people dying in a suitcase well, so you know you're not usually living in the suitcase <laughs> yeah you're not usually literally living you, in yeah you know you don't hear too many success stories of oh we found the body in a suitcase and they were great they were great yeah. Everything was going fine. It was going great. I I remember, like, I did a story on vomiting rainbows a while back. I don't know if it was with you or with someone else, but um, there was like a, a a woman who convinced her boyfriend to get in a suitcase and zipped it up, 
and then filmed him in the suitcase and she was laughing at him like in the suitcase and he he asphyxiated in the suitcase like he died wow and and then when she got him out she called the police and got him out and everything but unfortunately he passed away and yeah yeah, so it's not a comfortable place to live i don't i don't know how she convinced him to get in it but it was very clear he got in it alive (laughs) isn't it curious kind of how stories are where like there's always that particular kind of story like um with who who is gacy right the clown killer guy he would he was like a very trustworthy guy. And he would get these teenage boys back to his house and he'd say, Hey, I got a magic trick to show you, you know, put on these handcuffs and I'll yeah. show you how to get out. You know, it's like, I, I don't know, man. I'm just kind of, I guess I'm just naturally paranoid. Cause if you tell me, Hey, I just want to tie you up for a second. I go, nah, that's no. never going to happen. Or, Hey, why don't you hang out in this closet for a while? It's like, no, nah, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, why don't, why don't you yeah. go in this tiny area where you could die? It's like, Here, ah, I'm get, not going to do that. Not even for a second. I don't care if it's a joke. I don't know what you're doing, but I don't care. You know, it's like, I always wonder about the people. It's like, well, okay. You know, she asked me, get in the, get in the suitcase. I guess I'll just get in there. Yeah, I know. Like, get in this box and I'm going to saw you in half. No, yeah. no, you <laughs> might actually saw me in half. Yeah, I know. yeah. I mean, I just. I'm not that interested in the outcome. You know, I think some people are just such good sports. They got to play along. Gee, I guess we'll see what happens when I get in this, uh, when I get in this fucking, uh, you know, piece of luggage. Who knows? Right. Could could wind up dead, you know, but you never know. So um, one of the the friends uh, of uh, Jessica and Austin said that Jessica was like a really quiet girl. Uh, and she said that Austin had a, a mouth on him. <laughs> so my guess is Austin's mouth might have gotten him and Jessica into trouble. Right. Um, and whomever took advantage of them then ended up putting them in that suitcase. But I, now, we're going to find from another country, and then they, and then and then you know they kind of got killed in America, and so their remains get thrown in these cases and sort of thrown in the sea, and then they just kind of washed up. Or do they know anything about where the people came from? What? Uh, oh yeah. So the, these two were from not far away. I think it was. I'd have to look up where it was, but they were they were from Seattle as well. So they were like not or from Washington. So they were from an outside area of Washington. So these were all like they had gone to Seattle to kind of live on the streets. I see. Gone and, to Seattle, live on the streets. Yep. But didn't Nirvana, like Kurt lived under a bridge for a while, right? No. He didn't? <laughs> he didn't. I heard that. But maybe he I was... didn't. But they like to tell stories about him like he was poor or something. Right. <laughs> he, he was not. So, well, I thought he was cool. But um, you know, I thought he was a great songwriter. They they came from kind of a rundown kind of uh, you know middle class, lower middle class kind of family. Yeah. He wasn't a rich guy or something, but no, I don't think I don't think they lived under the thing. I mean, you know, a lot of times people tell stories like that about people, and it could be could be they were there for a couple of days, or they slept out one night, or whatever right. grows into these things. And, or they did some drugs while they were out outside of a club and ended up passing out outside the club, and that made them like living on the streets. <laughs> I was in one of those situations where I was in Seattle and um, was at a place. I was at a party, uh-huh. and Kurt had OD'd. Oh well, and and uh, you know, but I I showed up later after the commotion had happened. But apparently, the story was you know he OD'd. People were doing dope, and instead of calling the instead of calling the you know nine one one or something, they called the record label. Oh yeah, of course. What do we what do we do? Yeah. Just that's just a very nineties story to me, you know. It's like, yeah, the record company, they'll know. I think no, no. like nobody would nobody would even pretend now that the record company knew anything. What what wouldn't you just find like uh Eric Stoltz and then he would give you like a hypodermic needle of like uh whatever <laughs> from uh an Uma Thurman just stick it in her chest or whatever? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so a second, so that's our first story. Uh, his, uh, Gina's, uh, um, Gina, who is Jessica's aunt has launched a GoFundMe 
to get $10,000 for a reward for information that leads to the arrest. But I like read a whole Reddit sub forum on, on this and a lot of people seem to know them in Seattle. And they basically said they're just letting little bits of information out right now because they probably have all the information and they probably know who did this. So they're, it's not, it's not going to be long before they figure out who was involved. Uh, I'm guessing if they were living on the street, the geniuses who took advantage of them are not rocket scientists and probably left some, some clues behind. So that's gotta be a pretty hardy uh, piece of luggage too. Yeah. I mean, to actually fit a human being into and, and have it go somewhere. Well, and I always I've, wonder about that. That seems like a little more trouble than it's worth. Like, I'd just buy a chainsaw and just <laughs> hack, hack up everything, you know what I mean? And throw it in various dumpsters. Like, why do you keep all the evidence together? I in one location. And they were in a plastic bag inside that. So they were, they were put in a plastic bag. So that's like, basically, let's seal all the evidence within, right. with the body just in case. And you know, there's probably fingerprints all over the bag. Like, it's not going to be long. And the yeah. other, so one person was in the, the, the suitcase and they found the other plastic bag on a beach nearby or floating in the water and they were able to get that. And that was where the other uh, body was disposed of. So I think wow. they're going to find a lot of information on this. <laughs> well, there you go. Another, there you go. Uh, another big case coming out of Seattle. Yeah, so that we'll get more information on that, but uh, I'm sure I'll probably that this is like two week in two weeks in a row that we've had this story, and there's already they've already identified the two people, which means that they're closing in on whoever did this. Right. So they they basically would not put this information out without wanting. You never to know, though. Like with street people, it's very possible that you know whoever did it is on their way. You know, they right. came in. They were there briefly, and they're moving on. I think a lot of yeah, they're out of town now. <laughs> a lot of crimes that happen to street people or hookers or vagrants, you know, it's kind of it's it's a very mysterious world. You know, they can't really uh, come up with lots of answers about things. You, know, you just do you, don't know what people are up to. Do you ever watch the first Forty Eight on A and E? I've seen the show. Yeah, yeah. So, so the, in general, they deal with mostly like uh, more transient crimes. They never deal with like high profile crimes on that one. But inevitably, if it's somebody who's homeless or um, in like an endangered community and they go around and talk to them, it's within five minutes that one person's like, yeah, I know who they are. Right. <laughs> I saw that right. happen. I don't want to talk about it. But I know what all went down, and they're like, yeah, yeah. "Okay, you're gonna tell us." Like, <laughs> like the it's very easy to uh, to inspire those the the people who are around them. They're like, "Okay," but you know that that person's a lunatic, and you don't want them around you anymore. And they're still on the streets, so why not get <laughs> them off the street? And they're like, "Oh, okay, yeah, that's fair." What I'm always kind of fascinated by is how, like, you know, you sort of grow up thinking there's this, like, criminal code, you know, yeah. where it's like, we don't say shit, we don't talk to the cops, you know, we're not narcs, fuck it, you know, we take care of our shit ourselves. And then whenever you see one of those shows, you know, instantly it's some street fuck immediately spilling his guts about whatever oh, the I mean, nobody, nobody seems to fucking keep any secrets or fucking keep anything from the cops or do anything. It's just like straight up like, you know, and I mean, I understand it coming from the average citizen's point of view. It's like, shit, you know, I got nothing to hide, I, whatever, you right. know, yeah, what's the, what do you want me to say, you know? But, it, you know, that whole sort of criminal undercurrent, you know, they always give you this idea that, that there's big secrets there and they're keeping to themselves. I mean, I remember a, a kid got shot in my neighborhood and the cops were just, you know, it was all like, gee, you know, we can't figure it out. It's like, you can't figure it out. Like this kid Everyone was in knows. high school, man. Somebody knows whose girlfriend he fucked or something happened. Right. You know, you're, you're, the cops sometimes will treat these things like it's like, oh, it's a big secret. It's the drug underworld. It's like, it ain't the drug underworld, dude. 
It's a no. teenager that got shot, and he got shot for one of two reasons. One, he said something dumb to somebody bigger than him, and they shot him. Or two, he fucked somebody's girlfriend, and they shot him. Exactly. So those, are, those are the reasons. You know, right. and invariably, and, and I'll bet you when they find who killed these two people, it's going to have something to do with somebody fucked somebody. You know well, what I mean? And and that the fact that um, that 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 uh, one person who knows them, she said she didn't know them well, but like she knew of them and hung out in the same circle, which basically she said he had a mouth on him. Which she was alluding to the fact that he probably got in trouble because of his mouth, which is he said something stupid, one, right? Right. So he said something stupid to somebody who was bigger than him, right? So, right. oh my god. So our next isn't story that always the problem. Yeah, I mean, and our and our next our next story goes along that same path, though. You're gonna you're gonna enjoy this because okay. because this is the exact opposite scenario where. This is like the criminal element that for some reason they have so much on the line to that they kind of have to be quiet, which is we're going to do an update, obviously, on Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, man. And uh, I, I don't know if you, you heard of uh, Ghislaine Maxwell. Sure. She was yeah. his right-hand woman. She lured a bunch of the women in and exactly. would kind of dispose of them when they were through. Yep. So uh, Maxwell was just arrested at a 156-acre New Hampshire estate. What so, made her think she could hide? You know, this is another thing I wonder about. It's like, obviously, the shit is closing in around you. Like, wouldn't you take your money and try and escape? Well, yeah, exactly. But <clears> she, <throat> she did kind of do that. So as soon as this all started going down, this estate was bought for a million dollars in cash from an anonymous LLC that was nah. apparently really well hidden. Um, Let's see. She, her estate had uh, like a, a chain gate and it had a bolt on it so that like you couldn't, you couldn't just drive up to this gate. You would have to battering ram through it, which right. they did. They said yeah. that they, they like busted through it in like a matter of, minutes because they were afraid she might do something by the time that they got to the house like kill herself yes <laughs> or something um it, and it's when, an idea <laughs> yeah and would, when they I when they got there they didn't even bother it. ringing the door or anything they just right. busted through the front of the house and right. it was like seven or eight in the morning and she was relaxing on like watching tv or something and didn't even startle She's just like, okay, you guys are here. Right. Great. She knows what's coming. <laughs> they said she was amazingly calm for, uh, with a whole flurry of FBI agents like running to get her. She's in a weird position because she knows where, where some of the, the bodies are buried, so to speak, right? She knows, Absolutely. She knows a lot of the famous people who are hobnobbing with, with Epstein. And I mean, it's... You know, I'm not big on conspiracy theories, but, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't actually kill himself and if somebody arranged to get rid of him, seeing as how, I mean, a lot of rich, famous people, including the president and the former president, were always right. riding on that dude's jet and running around and doing shit. And, you know, they didn't keep, you know, they didn't deny themselves some pussy you know what i mean so there's some people with some secrets to keep the royal family too i mean absolutely it would not be, wouldn't amaze me if she was able to make some deal just because of the people who don't want the information she knows out well uh his black book is online now <laughs> so you can search his black book or go through it page by page by page by page wow um, and that was I think released by the group Anonymous. You know, the, <laughs> Wouldn't you hate to just be his plumber? Like, yeah. I, I'm just Epstein's plumber. I, yeah. I had nothing to just do with it. I have no, and I just fixed something one day. He paid me and an underage girl. That was weird, but like. <laughs> he, he rarely called me because most of the girls he was with couldn't flush a tampon yet. Yeah. Oh my God. I know. So, That's terrible. Yeah. So <laughs> she, so. This, uh, uh, Maxwell had um, three passports 
And since she went in, so she went into hiding and she took off and went on 15 international flights, hiding her identity over three years. So that they thought she was out of the country. So they why thought, not just stay out? What an idiot. Why, why not get yourself a secluded place in some tax haven? Go, right. go to the Seychelles or San Tropez or some shit. Why would you do it in America where you I think know? She went, I think she went to all those places. And I think what, what happened was somebody said, hey, look, we're going to buy you this one of, I guess, Epstein. I don't know how she had this money, but she apparently had hundreds of thousands of dollars and like broken up into like tons of accounts and just like made it uh it was very she had a constant flow of cash at at hand so she could have gone anywhere i mean this was like you before all the bars closed yeah exactly exactly um so now she's in maxwell yeah not even associated with that um so she she had uh she's been placed in a brooklyn jail because the the New York jail system, after having Epstein kill himself, wants to make sure that she is watched and not allowed to have something similar happen. Right. Um, obviously, as you talked about, uh, Prince Ans- uh, Andrew and several other, she alludes that she has video evidence of several influential people. Um, and um, weirdly, with the royal family, a few, a bunch of people have noticed that the royal family has boarded up all the windows at Buckingham Palace, and the royal, the royal guards, are have been replaced with regular foot soldiers, like regular police, not even army. Wow! Which is, which is the the first time this has ever happened. There's always the royal guard. It's so like, why, why did that happen? There, no, no idea. I don't even know if Prince Andrew stays at Buckingham Palace, but it's just that whole, you know, that Maxwell, the Clintons, and all of this is part of that lunatic QAnon theory. So, oh no, I didn't realize there was yeah. a tie in there. So they're like the QAnon people are just having a heyday right now. They they right, think this is like they think that this is going to break the QAnon scandal, and this is also what they feel like Trump has been doing. Like Trump is part of this. Like, so they so feel funny. like he, it's like they can see all of the fucked up nefarious shit involved with Epstein and the famous people he knows, but then they just give a pass to their guy. Of course. Who, who knows him. It was part of the whole thing and lived right next to him in Palm beach and fucking, you know what I mean? And actually made a fucking comment about how he likes young girls. You yeah. Know? It's just like motherfucker, man. Really? Well, like, um, uh, Maxwell was like a very close neighbor to Trump and they hung out almost all the time. So this was anyone who thinks that Trump somehow didn't know any of this was going on is absurd. Like, I mean, he made a public comment about it as you, as you just mentioned. Yeah. So, uh, and then. Well, and what about Clinton? This motherfucker gets tossed out of office. uh Oh, I lost you. Right. I lost your video. This motherfucker gets tossed out of office, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, he still can't keep himself off the, off the dude's plane. Right? I know. I mean, he, was, he was on Epstein's plane a couple of years after leaving office and after his big scandal. You know, yeah. it's like he just can't keep his hand out of the fucking cookie jar, man. It's crazy. Yeah, he was on it like like 27 or 25 times or something like that some large number and then and then the other thing that's super weird is kenneth Starr um is also in this as well the guy who prosecuted clinton yeah is is in this he's one of uh epstein's attorneys what a farce that was i mean I, I'm not a fan of Bill Clinton, but, you know, think about how long that impeachment scandal was and how many people spoke and how many things went on and how right. important that was. Yeah. And Starr's whole bullshit brouhaha, which came down to, you know, the president got a blowjob. Exactly. And, and then and that, and now it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I fucking sold out the Ukraine's interest and to, to fuck them over. Oh, no, we just we just ignore that. It's like That's totally been, fine. 
Yeah, the, um, the country's level of, you know, what we'll put up with is just infinitely higher than it was during the Clinton days because he was enough of a scumbag. Yeah. And, then it, and then it turns over to, to, to Trump and you're just like, really? This guy shouldn't be able to fucking shine shoes at the White House. You know? Right. And the Democrats would have turned on Clinton had he not had some pretty reasonable policies that, that really benefit the Democratic Party. But the Trump benefit is now like almost nothing. Like the <laughs> Republicans, like he's such a liability. Like the oh, fact yeah. that they're still like lockstep behind him. And well, because the people who vote for Republicans still prefer Trump to the to any other politician. Mm-hmm. I mean, there and it and I think it comes, you know, it, it, ignorance loves company, right. <laughs> right? To mix some metaphors, right? If you're fucking dumb and you're pushing conspiracy theories, man, you like Trump. He's dumb too, and he pushes conspiracy theories. Absolutely. Like, All right. You know, great. He's my guy. So uh, the other thing that um, Vegas has started taking uh, bets on how long uh, Maxwell will survive in prison. And, wow. And they're like even taking odds on if it'll be suicide or COVID. Because a lot of people think that she's going to succumb to COVID. That's the, uh-huh. that's the big plan now. So we'll see. But. Um, apparently, so if she succumbs to COVID, then they can say that it wasn't a uh, a murder. You're saying. Right, exactly. So, wow. Yeah, so they won't. It won't be at if it, I'm guessing something uh, is going to happen to her because she has already apparently the rumor is she's working on a plea agreement and and in return for her testimony. So that's just a matter of time. They shouldn't give her anything. I mean, Epstein's dead. Who who are you going to get? You know. Well, know. yeah, they're going to get like obviously Prince Andrew and people Prince like that. Andrew. There's a lot of people. There's a lot more people than there are a lot of powerful people that are associated, including I think even Bill Gates is tied to Epstein a lot. Wow. So, um, and then our our last topic. This one's going to be a little close to home for you, so you. You'll definitely have uh, closer some than Jeffrey Epstein. No, uh, closer than Jeffrey <laughs> and young girls. This will be. Let's let's. Uh, I've seen this trend, and you you might have seen it too. But it's. Um, I've only seen it in two. It's just very odd statements from uh, lead singers or artists who have stepped down from their bands because of allegations against abuse of abuse to women but they've done it in like a very rapid like like a rapid fire way like i have decided to step away from this very profitable enterprise so um one that happened over the weekend was the artist uh bass nectar do you know are you familiar with him uh bass nectar but yeah bass nectar bass nectar um, and Kasabian as well, the lead singer of Kasabian. I don't know if you did. You ever work with these guys? No. Okay. They don't let me work with people like that. Uh. <laughs> so, um, Bass Nectar, who is uh, his real name is uh, Lauren Aston. He's about forty-two years old. Is stepping down from his own band. Now, I think he's only him. So yeah, he's he like stepped, a remix guy. I thought, but I'm, yeah, I'm not he's he's a, he's mostly a DJ. I better smoke some dope since we moved to music. Doug. Yes, so maybe so this will inspire me. Yeah, <laughs> so so he's taking a hiatus from his own music, stepping down, as he said, from his role of power and privilege. And he said, um, while he regrets any hurt or anything that he may have done to hurt others. All of his relationships were consensual, and he felt like he built long, loving connections. And he put this in a long tweet, um, basically saying that he was just going to step down. Unfortunately, there's an Instagram page called The Evidence Against Bass Nectar, and it's 50-plus women who have come forward alleging, alleging rape, pedophilia, and uh, abusive relationships. So. Uh, that's not good. Um, yeah, I mean, you know. Oh, sorry. Is there? There's more. 
Yeah, so a few of them kind of alleged that he was in that R. Kelly realm of like being like isolating them and keeping them like locked away from their family, all their connections and being mentally abusive to them. So I think there's going to be a lot more about that, but he just like, it immediately came out and then he just said, okay, I'm, I'm moving on. But that's just, I, I think that's interesting. Um, and a similar move, Kasabian's front man also stepped down very publicly because he said he needed to focus on public issues, or sorry, personal issues. Um, and they were in regard to mental health, a battle with alcohol, and a big allegation of domestic abuse. And so my guess is that there are going to be a lot more of these scenarios, especially with uh, I, uh, Tom, uh, Tom Megan is the front man for Kasabian. Um, and I think he, I think there's going to be more coming down about him because it was really abrupt. <laughs> like that happened. Like, so you think there's, there's something out there that's a, an accusation against him? Well, I think, uh, I feel like the music industry is about to have a, big wave of this occur like these are two very high profile people in the music industry and did very public mia culpa step downs um and i think that that means that the music industry has kind of they haven't been given a free pass on the me too movement as much but there hasn't been i thought there would be a much more dramatic shakedown in the music industry of uh, people who have crossed the line a lot just because that tends to happen a lot in music. Um, and so I feel like we're going to see more and more stories uh, about this just because it just seems to be happening so quickly. Like this is two in two weeks. And okay, so I, have a, I have a number of things to say. Okay. <laughs> I mean, because there's a bunch of things that this touches, right? So first of all, just the most bullshit part of it is the whole stepping down from the group thing. Because essentially what that is, is an attempt yeah. to mitigate brand damage. Right. So people have kind of realized now when these scandals happen, when you sit there and say, I'm innocent, I haven't done anything, it makes you look guilty, right? Right. And so people have to step away and they're trying to leave the brand name alone so that they're not hounded out or so, or so that they don't, you know, ruin the livelihoods of say the half dozen other people that are tied in with their brand. Right. I mean, if you're the singer in a band called Kasabian, you know, there's a bass player, there's a drummer, there's keyboards, there's a manager. And you know, so by doing this, people are kind of throwing themselves on their sword. But the, the other thing they're doing is they're trying to minimize, they're, they're trying to close their flank. It's like, okay, people are attacking me. I'm not going to let them attack my group, or my brand name, my label, my shit at the same time. So I'm going right. to try and pull out of all that, right? Well, so, also, I would say monetarily, they, like, if, if they can somehow uh, throw themselves on their sword and the band is able to still move forward, that lead singer is still going to get like royalties from the previous albums. That's some of their largest hits. So right. like if, if they replace him as a front man or somebody else takes over for a front man and they keep playing Kasabian, he will still get royalties off of things in the future. Yeah. I mean, potentially if, if, if he wrote a lot of the material, then that's certainly true. And if you own the brand name, et cetera, I mean, I think so. So what this opens up is this other idea of, um, you know, uh, um, should we hate people? Uh, should we, should we eliminate people's art because we dislike actions that they've taken? Right. This is sort of a fundamental question that, this generation is grappling with in a way that no previous generation took nearly as seriously. I mean, there used to kind of be a general thing in American life, which was sort of like, Hey, you know, what you do in your bedroom is kind of your biz. I'm going to keep to myself over here. There might be some laws on the books, but we mostly ignore those. 
Right. And, you know, we're, we're not really going to talk about this. So it's like, you know, I think that we still observe that with people like, you know, our butcher or mm. our, our plumber <laughs> or our electrician, right? We say, you know, we, you, there's not a lot of talk of like, well, I'm not going to have that electrician over. You know, I heard that he did some pretty weird stuff, right? So, so, but for some reason, people have taken this on with people who make art. So it's like, well, I can't look at that person's painting, you know, he was very, you know, and now, and, and now, and, and then there's the other part of the calculus is asking yourself, like, I would find it kind of difficult to listen to a record by somebody who was like a mass murderer or a rapist, right? But, but suppose it was somebody who was a woman who was real mean to her husband, you know, she's a female recording artist and she's 50 years old and she's been married for 30 years to the same man and I know them personally and she treats him very poorly. You know, right. I mean, what, like, at what point do I owe you to stay away from your art or disavow your art or try and destroy your art or pull all the monetary side of it out because of these things that you did in your life and what counts as, you know, irredeemable, you can't come back. Like I would say things like you raped somebody, right. Or, or, you know, but you know, like I, I have a friend in the, in the music industry who murdered somebody. Oh, wow. And, you know, he did eight and a half years in San Quentin and then he got out. And when he got out, there were a lot of people that said, fuck him, you know, uh -huh. I, I, I have more mixed feelings on that. I certainly don't condone killing somebody, but if right. you go and do your eight and a half years at San Quentin, that could certainly be argued to be a penalty, right? You sure. pay it a penalty and you can't ever wake up without knowing that you killed somebody and everybody around you knows that you killed somebody and you have, you know, the certain types of things you have to do to redeem yourself. But I guess it's a roundabout way of me saying, do we still have redemption in our society? Do we still just have basic things like you paid your debt to society? Yes, you killed somebody. Then you did eight and a half years. Is that okay? What this generation seems to have said is, it doesn't even matter if you did something that's illegal. It doesn't matter if you did something that's, you know, completely unethical or immoral. It could just be something that's kind of negative. Like you treated your girlfriend badly or you weren't very nice to your, to your husband or, or maybe, maybe you hit your child. You know, these aren't things that I condone, but it's like, really? So we're going to throw people out of society completely in the sense of like, you can never come back. Right. You know, you did your eight years in prison, but you can never play music again. How could you? You know, I mean, because my question is, how do we bring people back and rehabilitate them into society and keep them from killing people or raping people or doing bad things again? If the only future that we offer to them is you suffer forever with no friends, right. no job in silence. Fuck you. You know, well, it's like, I mean, like, I, I just don't know what we're doing anymore. Well, it's like, uh, like, for example, Matthew Broderick. Uh, he hit someone in another country and killed them. And it's oh, really still, in a car. Yeah. And he's still a very famous that. actor, Broadway actor. And it's still, still quite, quite hireable. And I think with the right PR team, you can, you can reform your image. And I, I think like, for example, I don't know if, you know, Joan Crawford was, vilified by her daughter and in a explosive movie mommy dearest and you know i think she continued to work even after that i think no she's dead by now she was dead oh, was by she? the time all that happened yeah and oh she, really you know okay, but well, yeah i, I mean it, but see that's a good thing to point out because it's like joan crawford had her side of the story right you know and the only side that we really know now is like, mommy beat me mercilessly. You know, that's the right. story that, you know, right now we're looking at this thing where, you know, Trump's niece wants to tell her side of the exactly. story about what it was like growing up in the Trump household, right? And do, do we let people tell their story? Do people get to say what they say? And this is another place where there's an intersection because there were a lot of women who said, you know what? these powerful men 
we're constantly making passes or actually even raping people or fucking people or hurting us. And now finally we are able to come out and say something, you know, right. I'm, I'm all for that. You know, the question is, or do we have to then assume that what they've said is true? And so everybody's in a position to be hounded from their career, from their money, from their occupation, from their family. I mean, and, and these things go so many different ways. I mean, and I, and I never mean to stick up for people who, who are assholes, but this is part of why I believe in limited forms of violence and think that it's good, right? There, there were two people that smacked Harvey Weinstein, right? right? One of them was Jason Priestley at a party. The other was Brad Pitt who said, hey man, he didn't actually smack him. He said, I'm gonna beat your fucking ass when you go after my, my girlfriend again. This right. is when he's in his early 20s and Weinstein is already very wealthy and able to fuck him over, right? right. So these are two people who showed some fucking guts, right. who actually, while their careers were on the line, said, yeah, no, I'm not going for this. I'm not listening to your bullshit. I know what you're up to. I'm not taking it, right? And, and, and we, who are these people that we look at as heroes? You know, I mean, it, it's, all of these things are kind of spinning together. Like your chance to be a hero always comes up when you can speak truth to power and do something to someone who can fuck you over. Right. But then you're putting yourself in the position of being fucked over. Now, now you look at people like Rose McGowan. Well, you know, now they, they talk about her like she's a hero, but she took her payoff money from Harvey Weinstein, right? Harvey Weinstein gave her that payoff, 100 grand, 150 grand, whatever it was, and she went and kept her mouth shut for years. Then stuff came out about him, and suddenly she was a hero. But right. hey, she, she took the money and ran. I mean, like, uh, I, I think there should be penalties for dragging somebody's reputation down if you can't back it up. Right. But then at the same time, I think people should be able to say what they want to say and tell, tell their truth. But we should recognize that, you know, if it, it, look at the women who brought Harvey Weinstein down. Two women who had continuing sexual relations with him when they knew that he was married, and then they turned around and said, he's a rapist, he literally raped me. Uh -huh. I mean, are these people heroes? <laughs> you know, I don't think Harvey Weinstein's a good guy. I'm not losing any, any sleep that he's in a jail cell. And I think indeed he did rape some women. But I think it's pretty fucking sad that nobody came out who, who it either happened to or who they knew about. And the two that they hung on him are just completely bogus. He's well, got I don't think they're. I don't think they're bogus because I, I, I think you. I think you. I think you got to be careful there because, like, a lot of the things that they were alleging is that their careers would be over, and he used his power to continually make them come back. So, or they lose their career. So they worked really hard to get to a certain point, and they felt like Harvey was using his power his status to say your life is over unless you come fuck me and that's what and they were alleging did that to a bunch of of women he did yeah. that to uh, ashley judd mm -hmm. he did that to mira sorvino and directors came back and said this fucking asshole told me that he wouldn't back the movie if he used this woman that rejected right. her advance so i mean i am disgusted with, yeah with with that man at Weinstein. I think he's disgusting. I think he deserves to be in a jail cell. I believe, although I don't have any proof, that he did in fact rape people. Oh, without a doubt. I, I, I don't, I don't see, so I did I don't stick up for him at all, but, but I, I think it's sad. It's like getting Al Capone on tax evasion. I right. mean, he killed millions of, or he, millions. Right. He killed dozens of people or authorized right. the killings of dozens of people. Sure. But they couldn't hang anything on him until tax evasion when they finally got him and it's the same with harvey weinstein the these women well, it's the are same with, it's, it's the same with went it, after him because it, the woman the women who got him actually had these relationships with him that were sexual they knew he was married they knew what he was doing they were purring up to him to try and get his attention and get careers for themselves when they didn't have any. I'm not talking about Ashley Judd. I'm not talking right, about right. those people. No, no, I know. There's all these different kinds of people that interface with these things in different ways. To me, Rose McGowan 
is both partly a victim who was fucked over by him early, but partly she's kind of a villain because she took the money and ran. These women at the end, who, who he actually went is going to prison for, to me, they're villains because they actively pursued a married, powerful guy specifically so they would get advancement from it in their career. There was no other reason for it. Yeah, well, so I mean, I, it's, I think we're going to have to disagree on that one because I, I don't think they're, first of all, I don't think they're villains. And secondly, I, I think that there's like a, there's a difference between like they maybe not actively pursued. I, I'm, in both of the cases, I think Weinstein pursued them. And while they met with him, then he took advantage of them. Over and over, over years, tons of text messages that are clearly friendly. And I'm not saying that people don't build up these fucked up, dysfunctional relationships with rapists over time. And sure. so, you know, you shouldn't blame the victim and you shouldn't go and say of, of these women, you know, like sometimes you'll have these well, situations that, where that, women are raped that's by a, very, a relative. But right, but hold on just a second. Them. Like what, one of the clear reasons that, that, that they didn't go after Weinstein was because of that exact issue, was because this happened over years. There, he, had, he has clear evidence on his side that they had very cordial conversations afterwards. Right. And yeah. so that, that, was, that lent a big credibility problem. And so much so that they decided that they shouldn't move forward and, and pursue it because it just it hurt their case a lot that they were communicating in that way. So I, I understand what and you're Weinstein saying. And I also, Weinstein is a total piece of shit. And I'll go on record right here and say, I'm not sticking up for him. I mm -hmm. think he's a rapist. I think it's good that he's in jail, but look at a guy like Matt Lauer. He, his case is he lost his gig at, at new at news. I think it was CBS mm -hmm. news or NBC news. Or one, right. one of these things, CBS news. And the woman who, there's only one woman with a credible accusation. And what she says is, he raped me while I was drunk. But mm -hmm. she then says, we then embarked on, a, on, a, on an affair and had sex numerous times over a six-month period afterward. Now, okay. when people try and explain that and they say, oh, yeah, you know, she was identifying with her rapist or she did this. And I was like, no, this is a very manipulative person who sensed that she could destroy this man by doing this. The ad, the, the things that she did were all very fucked up. Right. It starts with getting all, all wasted and, and having sex with this man and then embarking on an affair with him when you know that he's married over a period of time and then go and then t telling his bosses, which are also your bosses, he raped me. Right. I mean, you know, there's, it's like, and again, I, I'm, I'm sure he's not a nice guy. I'm sure it was a weird scenario, whatever. But I, I think about women now who regret having slept with Doug Dalton or, or Black Dahlia, who would go back now and say, yeah, fuck that. I didn't want to have done that. I wish I hadn't done that. Right. Should they really be allowed to say that, that you were raped? Should, or that they were raped? Should it really right. be fair for them to go retroactively and re-decide after giving consent? Right. Well, no, actually, I regret this. I don't think this is right. And then people bring in this very marginal psychology shit about, oh, we'll spy with their rapist and whatever. And it's just like, dude, you can't give con con you can't give consent and then withdraw it after the act. That's right. not right. And, and either we're going to get to this point where we allow that or we don't. And, and that's the only thing that dismays me about Harvey Weinstein and the way things wind up. The women whom he slept with were consensual. Annabella Sciorra went in there and testified, no, he raped me. He went into my house and raped me. But he wasn't, he wasn't prosecuted for that. Right. You know, and so these are the things that disturb me. It's like you, you, so you can tell the, you know, and it's like, especially with a guy like that, he deserves to be in prison for that rape. Right. You know, and I don't blame her for not reporting it. That's, that's her. I mean, she doesn't have to report it if that happened to her, you know, but, but it's well, like, look at, look at, for example, Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson is another one of the, 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 there's like this 
when you talk about music and art and like being able to to appreciate someone's art despite their background and there are people like macaulay culkin who say this is all nonsense he never did anything like this this is not true and still vouches for michael jackson today which is there's absolutely no way all of these kids are making this up and right there, and there's also no way that michael jackson was sleeping with these children in a room alone and that's a no not, grown men grown men don't no. ever do that no you know and macaulay culkin should think hard and understand that he was already a famous star when it happened and so right. Jackson's a smart, savvy guy, and he knew that if he raped him, that would be a real issue. And so he did it with kids that were more vulnerable. And again, right. I mean, I wasn't there. I didn't have a video camera. I can't say for absolute sure that it, that it happened. But, you know, from the evidence that's out there, it seems very believable that it did. The same way with, with you know, when 60 women tell a story about you, that's really fucked up. But when yeah. one woman tells a story about you, I don't think we should take it as the gospel truth. You know, it's like the, the, it's the an investigation is 60 should... women telling stories about him. Michael Jackson has, you know, a couple dozen young boys who, sit, who claimed it. The, you know, it, a lot of these other stories are a lot more marginal. And a lot right, of but people that, really that, lost yeah, their I, Yeah, no, it only takes, it only takes you... <laughs> I feel like if if one person, it doesn't take multiple people to say that you're fucked up. I think that one person can say he did something fucked up, and and if it investigated and becomes is is true, then that is true. It doesn't take like a hundred people to say, like all these violations are so egregious that it's absurd. Like it, it's just insane. right. Then okay. Then 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 let's take a look at Woody Allen. I mean, Woody Allen is somebody who I happen to think of as sort of a gold standard of American comedy. He makes a certain type of movie that's really brilliant, and he's made numerous different ones. Who's also a great stand-up comic without ever sure. even really trying, right? So we know his neuroses because he puts them in his films. And over and over again, you see the same pattern. He marries, you know, an attractive young woman his age, uh -huh. And and then his neuroses and things fuck it up. He had these relationships with actresses, Louise Lasser and Diane Keaton, who uh -huh. still have great affection for Woody and look back on their times with him and say, he was a great guy and I would still make a movie with him. And he's like, but, you know, obviously we couldn't make our relationship work, right? So, so human, human contact and emotion and art are very complicated, intersecting things, right? right. There is one person who said that, that Woody molested them as a kid. And that's Mia Farrow and his da daughter, Dylan, right. who, who, who said, you know, Woody raped me at my home. And it, right. and it happened this one time and it's real and it really happened. Her brother happens to be the foremost authority on, on these kind of stories, broke the story about Weinstein, works for the New Yorker, writes for the New York Times. He has tremendous, he has tremendous veracity in this realm. Okay. But, but she's the only person and he's the only person backing her up. The cops investigated, both, both the sheriff's department from Connecticut investigated, the Manhattan sheriff's department investigated. Woody's been given, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, um, adoptive powers over kids. No one's ever claimed, none of the other kids claim that he molested them. Sure. Blah, blah, blah. So it's like, to me, this is very complicated. He, his book, his autobiography was basically stopped and junked by Hachette. Right. And, and, and you, it wasn't available in the States. He can't really make movies anymore. He can't do shit. It's like, again, is Woody a nice guy? No, I think it was pretty shitty what he did to Mia Farrow by, by right. fucking her young daughter. I think that was a shitty thing to do. And I think it definitely borders on a very odd fucking, you know, father complex with a young girl thing. I don't, I don't think it's a nice thing to do. If I was buddies with them, I'd be like, fuck, I'm not hanging out with that guy anymore. Right. But at the end of the day, 
there is no proof that he's attracted to anything adult women, young, hot, adult women, not kids. There's okay. one story and it comes from an obviously very biased source. And yet it's completely junked this dude's entire career. Right. right. You know, and, and, you know, so for me, it's like, I find that very problematic, you know, I, I, it doesn't seem right. And it doesn't seem right that this guy who's a reporter all of a sudden puts on the hat of, well, no, this is my sister and she's telling the truth right. when, you know, with all of the other reporting that he's done on this subject that has to be verified and re-verified and backed up. And is it on the record or is it not on the record? I mean, in the case of Woody Allen, there's no supporting evidence of any kind except this this reporter with great veracity who despises him for breaking up his family, right? And and the woman who makes the claim, right? You know, so yeah, it's very th this stuff is really fraught. I mean, this is the hardest stuff to talk about, and you can right. only do it on you know like a nasty podcast like this, That's right? You try and have this conversation anywhere else and you know tempers flare i mean we're talking right. about really big stuff child molesting and rape and you know these are like yeah. you know things that you kind of can't talk about you know well, so it's great great that you have the kind of show where you can because i think it's reasonable to bring up valid logical points about this stuff oh i i think completely i i know that bill maher has brought up a lot of like this this uh, as well um and i i completely feel like there's going to be a lot more of this that's going to come out soon like I, as i said before this is this is that i feel like the tip of the iceberg and i feel like the music industry is trying to be proactive right now and get ahead of some of these stories before they come out in mass and it they get the reputation that hollywood has right now of being an abusive culture and so I, I think we'll see more of that. And um, so that was our that was our last story. <laughs> I knew two I knew two singers who majorly did this shit. Uh huh. One one of them was in a band called Ghetto Blaster, which never became terribly popular and was sort of a kind of backpack rap kind of band that right got signed to a major and the singer from that band, it turned out was doing a very Gacy kind of thing. They would, Oh shit. They would have these young fans who would be enamored of them, young boys, and he would go drug them and fuck them. Oh my gosh. The, the other guy who did it, which was so heinous, it was beyond the scope was the guy from that band lost profits who came from Wales and they were very popular in England, but they never broke in America. And he was kind of, you know, a cute guy and a well-known singer from this band, but also a fine artist. He, he had been to art school and did painting right. and made, so he was making tremendous money in two different really respected arts, sort of straight mainstream pop music and then, uh -huh. you know, fine art. Right. And it turned out that he had the most elaborate child molestation scheme going where he would get women who were in love with him and groupies of his band who had kids and he would convince them to bring oh their God. babies and infants in to the sex with them. And when they finally caught him, he, he you know, he built up this whole life where he had his own bus and his own thing. Right. And everything kind of came crashing down around him. And of course, the band was just ruined. Of course. Even though n none of the band members were involved in, in, in any of it. But I mean, when they finally raided this guy's house, he had like 30 hard drives full of child pornography. Oh, gosh. Just a hardcore, really fucked up person, you know? And, and incidentally, both his art and his music were very soft and mainstreamed and right. not tough and not nasty. You know, every it's like part of what art gives you is an escape valve, a way to let your toxic masculinity go without it hurting anybody. Right. A way to, you know what I mean? Like that's what I use art for. I like to express my dirtiness and my nastiness and my, my id impulses, you know, through my art. 
And I don't feel any need to go out and hurt anybody and rape anybody or fuck over anybody or kill anybody. You know what I mean? I have my art where I get to let things out. A lot of times you see these people who are artists who have these really fucked up views, but their, right. their art is very mainstream. Of course. You know what I mean? But they, they get out their sickness in reality. You know what I mean? Right. So that's a whole other side of it. And I've, I've, I've witnessed some really fucked up behavior well, maybe maybe we'll do maybe we'll do an episode on lost profit and see <laughs> you should look that guy up he's in jail now 25 years they gave him in good in, in england and he absolutely deserves to be there a horrible person yeah all right well as always thanks for listening um <laughs> and we welcome all your comments and ideas uh and contact us at contact at vomiting rainbows or find us on all social media at we vomit rainbows listen to us on itunes stitcher soundcloud and more help us rate us and help us grow um also always visit the doors.com and check out new items from blag um and what his band has awesome uh albums etc that he has to offer he also has (laughs) impressive books etc that he has written. Uh, and Doug, thank you so much for doing this show, man. I mean, more than ever, we need these kind of shows that really plumb the depths of the dirtiest things that people the, the are despair. just unwilling to, to talk about. <laughs> I think it's great that you'll you'll get out there and have these talks and these, yeah. you know, sometimes they're disagreements, sometimes they're everybody no, agrees, it's good. But, it, but it's very like, you know, just the fact that you get to air it, I think is very important, man. Good for you. Excellent.